afternoon. And how are you? I hope blessed. So we're here at Anchored in Hope. My name is Father Larry Richards, and we're so glad that you are here with us. Again, as we begin, oh, geez, we only have 13 people here watching in the beginning, so hopefully we'll get some more for questions and that kind of stuff uh, as time goes on. Again, for those of you that are live, the best thing to do if you want to ask me any kind of question is just type it on the, the uh, comment section, and then I'll be able to answer your questions live as I can get to them. We also have, of course, uh, questions that you have emailed um, to our uh, the reason for our hope.org. And so uh, we got all that. And so we'll begin with the very first thing is we should always begin with, with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Father God of love, we acknowledge your presence, that you who are God, we ask you, Holy Father, you would send your Holy Spirit upon us, that your Spirit would take complete control of us, that your Spirit would set us on fire, that your Spirit would truly make us your sons and daughters, your Spirit would inspire us to hope, your Spirit would take control and make sure that we bring light into the darkness, your Spirit would really help us to know truth and to speak truth, that we would only be led by your Spirit and not other people's opinions or not by what most people say, but only by what you say, that we would only know truth and speak truth, the truth that's been revealed. Father, we beg you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So welcome uh, to the podcast today. We're so glad that you could be here with us. Um, I'm glad I could be here with you too. Um, and so slowly we're making progress here, and there's some... Uh, Good stuff. People always, I love when people challenge me. It says, Father, you'll never ask or th answer this question <laughs> unless it's something I cannot answer because it's a sexual in nature or something that I can't put out there and everything else. I don't usually shy away from questions uh, because, again, if we're seeking truth, then we're seeking truth, huh? And so the truth never has to be hidden. We never have to be afraid. We don't have to defend it. As uh, uh, I think it was St. Athanasius says, the truth doesn't need to be offended. It's like a lion. Let it go, and it will devour everything else. It's strong. Things will take care of themselves. So if something's true, we don't have to worry about it because it can always handle light, right, by definition. So, again, uh, I just want to go. And so we begin here with exactly two of these type questions. And of course they have to do with Pope Francis. And uh, the one says, confused, but unfortunately I don't expect you to answer. Well, John Kerr, what would you expect me to do? Just ignore this. Now, I might answer it as fast as you'd like me to. This was July 17th, which wasn't that far ago, but oh, I will answer. Especially in Robert Richardson, both have the same type question here. But first, it says, I love this podcast, and you have answered a few of my questions in the past week, and I sincerely appreciate it. So I'm not just flame-throwing here. Well, that's nice. But there is a video floating around with Pope Francis quotes, and one of those quotes is, we worship the same God as Muslims. Please tell me this is a misquote. I won't tell you it's a misquote. I'm sure he said that. And so does the catechism, and so does a lot of saints throughout the years. There is only one God, just one. So on any anybody worships God, they all worship the same God. Now, we have different understandings, and we have the fullness of the truth about who God is because it was revealed to him to, uh, through Jesus, who is God. Muslims don't have that uh, fullness of truth, but they still would worship the same God. And the catechism talks about, and the Lumen Gentium, again, a lot of people, they don't know the faith is the problem. They have a very simplified faith. They don't know what the documents say. They don't know what the teaching of the church says. They do know what some nuts on the TV and uh, the ones that call themselves true Catholics and that hate everybody in the name of Jesus who don't even know who Jesus Christ is because they've never prayed or listened to him once in their whole miserable life. The only thing they do is put other people down, especially starting with the Pope of God. So, 
I have no time for sitting there with people that say that they can hate the Pope and be a follower of Jesus. So it's the catechism. Let me give you exactly where the catechism makes this thing. The catechism in, it says, the Catholic, the catechism of the Catholic Church. Can we all agree? We all believe this. If you're a Catholic, you must believe in the catechism of the Catholic Church, put together by the great John Paul II. Anyway, those who have not yet received the gospel are related to the people of God in various ways. The church's bond with non-Christian religions is in the first place the common origin and end of the human race. That's cat and look at it's a couple different paragraphs that you can look at it says about the same thing. 839, 842. We can affirm that many of these non-baptized folks do indeed worship the same God. This is true, for example, in the case of the Jewish people, right? The catechism, quoting Lumen Gentium 16, goes on to say, the plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the creator in the first place among whom are the Muslims. That's the catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 841. So, they just don't know the fullness of who God is, but we can all Catholics... Christians, Muslims, and uh, Jews. We all have the same father of the faith. We all claim the same father of the faith, and that's God the Father. I mean, Abraham is the father of the faith, and so all that was revealed to him, we all go back to that reality. Huh? The Jews still follow the same God as we do. They just haven't come. You could say, well, how can they follow the same God? Because they still worship God the Father, they believe that Jesus Christ might have been a prophet. He could have been a nut. He could have been ever. But they still, they still worship God the Father. The Muslims do the same thing. They still believe in God the Father. They believe the prophet of God the Father was Muhammad. Now, we don't buy that. And so they, even though they worship the same God, they don't have the fullness of the faith of that God. But of course, if anyone worships God, there is only one God. Again, uh, Vatican II talked about uh, anonymous Christianity. And it really, this comes from Carl Rodner, Carl Rodner, who everybody thought was the greatest thing, but now he has fallen out of favor with a lot of people. And when they sit there and they say that, uh, talks about anonymous Christianity, what is anonymous Christianity? It talks about this, that we know as Catholics, that to be saved, the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. Can we all agree on that? As Catholics, that's exactly what we believe. You cannot be saved without Jesus. Can't be done. So, when a person surrenders their life to God is they understand him. You know, again, the, the uh, 12-step people and Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, they always say surrender to God is you understand it. Okay, <laughs> whatever. You're, there's only the one God. Some of us know him explicitly as Father, and we know who we are. We are beloved children. Muslims don't have that. They believe God is so other, that God is so beyond us that we could never call God Father. The intimacy we have is much different. But though they don't know God as we do, when they pray, God still hears their prayer. Now, again, you might sit there and say, there's no way, Father. Isn't it amazing? Muslims don't think that we know God. And you say, well, they're wrong. Uh-huh. And they say, we're wrong. And then Buddhists, they think, oh, it's nice what you do, but none of you really know. Don't you think, don't you get it that everybody thinks they're right and everybody else is wrong? Isn't that way we all are? And even now in our own faith, that we can't even agree on the teachings of the church. You know, so before when I talked about Vatican Council One, you can't question the Pope and different things, and there's all these organizations. There are bishops, there are priests that are going against him. They are wrong. 100% wrong. I promise you, this Pope will be canonized. He is not the Antichrist. The church writes its own history. Pope Francis will be canonized. And when he is canonized, and guess what, people of God, all the cardinals that he has put in there are all the same mindset. What is the difference? 
Pope Francis is talking about loving people, having mercy on people. Other people are just wanting to worship the way they always worship. They want to do things and they want to fight things. And it drives me crazy because the people that I have seen that have been most uh, anti-Pope Francis don't take care of the poor. They're not kind to others. They say horrible things. Now, I will not explicitly call out any of them. I'm just talking objectively. I have been called out throughout the years, many years, about how I am evil and everything else, and I'm leading people astray. And do what you will with that. But I know, like someone just <laughs> left the parish and he says, you know, Father, we think that you got soft and you didn't tell everybody who to vote for and all this kind of stuff. I only live for one person, just one, Jesus Christ. I live to please him, just one. I don't live to please the people that don't like me. I don't live to please the people that think I should say something else. I don't live to please anybody. When I drop dead, I will stand before the God of God. God's the Lord of Lords, the King of the universe. And Jesus Christ, who is God, said, he told me how he will judge me, and he tells you. Matthew 25, the King of kings and Lord of lords says, when we stand before him on judgment, he will separate us into two groups as a shepherd separates his sheep. The goats he will put in his left hand, the, uh, the sheep he will put in his right, and he will say to those, come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world because I was hungry and you gave me food I was thirsty and you gave me drink I was in prison and you visited me and they're going to say when Lord did we do these things whatever you did to the least of my brothers you did to me and then hear this let everybody hear this this isn't from the Pope this isn't from the catechism this is from Jesus Christ the God of the universe then he will say get out of my sight you condemned into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. So those of you who hate the Pope, those of you who go against him, what are you doing to fulfill the command of Jesus Christ? What are you doing to prepare for judgment day? Are you taking care of the poor? Are you taking care of yourself first? Does it mean what you want and what's important to you and the way you worship and no one's gonna tell you any different? Or will you humble yourself before the God of the universe who speaks to us and speaks through his church, through the Pope of the church, through Jesus Christ who is God? So I've come to the point in my life, I can't know if you're figuring this out or not, that the people who sit there and are against the Pope, I'm sorry, you might as well just call yourself what you are, as I've said, a Protestant. That's all you are. You're protesting against the Pope. Read what they said about the Pope, what Martin Luther said about the Pope. Now, go ahead. Are you going to sit there? And when you start reading some of these things, it's going to sound very much like a lot of these Catholic speakers that are out there today. I will die for the Pope, Period. And I would have died for John Paul II. And I would have died for Pope Benedict. And if anybody else was made Pope, I will die for them. Because why? I trust Almighty God. And when Jesus Christ made the promise, you are rocking upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. I trust him. And when people like the one of the other questions, I'm I'm answering this. I even brought it up. But anyway, when they sit there and say, well, we've had bad popes before. Yes, we have. The Borgias were bad popes, but they were bad because of their morals. They had sex outside of marriage. The Lucretia Borgia, the Pope, the way he was made Pope is he put her out, his daughter out as a prostitute so he could get the, the votes. But guess what? He never spoke heresy. There hasn't been any Pope who has spoken heresy. We have had bad, immoral popes, but they've God preserved them and preserved the church from allowing them who are li living evil lives to ever speak heresy. And if God would sit there and let this pope speak heresy, then he would be a liar because he said the gates of hell would not prevail against it. I don't care what any of the saints and any of the visionaries and prophets says. That's, you have to always remember what does the teaching of the church say, okay? And so, and this pope, what does he do? Oh, he talks about taking care of the poor. He talks about, you know, uh, reaching out to others, having mercy on the sinner. Really? So that makes him evil? 
Just stop it. Humble yourself and obey. And then you will be holy. Because until we start listening to what he's saying to us, the pride and arrogance in our own hearts and our own lives will damn us forever. If you are just one of those who refuse to take care of the poor, refuse to reach out and love to others, to put your own self first and your own things, you will be damned. It's just that simple. And I am speaking to you 100% truth. And the problem isn't that I've become some la-la who just sits there and follows the Pope blindly. Are you kidding me? You can tell a tree by its fruit. The fruit of this Pope is all good. The people that yell and scream the most, look at their fruit. Let's tell, look at their fruit. Arrogance, pride, hatred, vanity, all these things, not the fruit of love, gentleness, peace, not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So that's where these things are, and that's what we got to stop doing. We got to stop pussyfooting around and saying, oh, okay, ah, it's enough, enough, enough. Just as much as I said enough against Planned Parenthood, enough of us killing babies in our, in our countries, it's enough with these people that say they're Catholic and go against the Pope of the Church. You're not. You have separated yourself from the teaching of the Holy Roman Catholic Church. You have separated yourself because you believe in you and your pride more than to humble yourself under the Holy Supreme Pontiff of the Holy Roman Catholic Church. I don't care if you're a bishop. I don't care if you're a priest. You're 100% wrong when you go against the teaching of the church and the magisterium of the church and the Supreme Pontiff of the Holy Roman Catholic Church. Now, I don't care if any of you agree with me and if every one of you stop watching me. That's not my concern. My concern is to speak truth and to speak light in the darkness. And this is the light that will transform the world. Not this people's complaining and judging when God forbids you to judge. And yet we do it all the time. Because not only do we say, well, maybe what the Pope said is wrong. We say he's the Antichrist, he's evil. Talk about judgment. And again, may Almighty God judge you the way that you have judged the Pope. If you want to stand before God in judgment and say, judge me, God, the way I judge the Pope, then God bless you. Because again, that's what God says. The measure with which you measure will measure be measured back to you. So the measure with which you measure the Pope is the same way God now will judge you. And you got to know that. And you got to repent. You got it? This is what it is. It's called repentance. Stop doing it your way and start doing it God's way. Now, this was not the, the way I wanted to start this thing today, but when I start reading, I said, oh, jeez, okay, we're going to deal with this again because I do not want this to be me going on about the Pope and supporting the Pope. That's not what I want this thing to be. I want us to all be focused on hope, and I don't see anyone who brings more hope to the world than Pope Francis today. Nobody. And again, People get crazy over him, but people got crazy over Jesus. That's why they killed him in God's name. You got that? The righteous and good people, quote unquote, killed Jesus Christ in the name of God because they judged him wrongly. They judged him because he wasn't fulfilling their law the way they thought it was to be fulfilled. They judged him because he, who was only a man, they thought claimed to be God, and they killed him. And people are killing the Pope with their judgment, with their assassination of his character, with all these things, and they're doing it in God's name. And I, for one, have had enough, period. It's just enough. I will stick up for him, period. And we need to sit there and start doing this. So I encourage those of you who are supporters or true Catholics, are supporters of the Pope, you start sticking up for him.
period. You just don't put up with this. You don't listen to this garbage that someone puts together. They put a video together about all his quotes. I could put a video together of all his quotes. So I'll show you he's of God. Again, if you're really open to truth, I encourage you to read his book from cover to cover, uh, Dare to Dream or Let Us Dream, where he explains the way and the reasons he does things. He explains why he didn't answer the dubia. He explains the reason he makes his decisions the way he does. How you can tell what is of God and how you can tell what is from the evil one. He explains all that. It's all in the tradition of St. Ignatius. And the ways of the sermon have been done from them. Again, I know a lot of these people who sit there and go against the Pope and they're not nice people. They're just not, you know, I'm not a nice person either. So don't sit there and think like, oh yeah, well, father's setting himself. No, 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 no. Most of us, if, we, if we're speakers, we have big egos. That's the only way we can do what we do, you know? And so I'm very well aware of my own vanity. I'm very well aware of my own arrogance. I'm very well aware of my own pride. But I'm also very well aware that every day when I come to pray, I say, God, you got to speak to me and you got to make sure that I'm staying faithful because every word that comes out of this mouth, I'm going to stand before God of the universe in judgment. And again, I believe this with all my heart, period. Okay, so sorry for my rant. That was a 20-minute rant. Uh, sorry about that. You know, he says, we're not going to do this kind of stuff. And so I'm not going to answer any more uh, things about Pope Francis because this isn't what I created this podcast for. I think I've said my piece throughout these uh, last uh, months that I've been doing this. This is the episode number 21, you know, so I've said it enough and this will be said. So let it be written. Let it be said. I'm done uh, doing this and, uh, going off on supporting the Pope. I support him, and so should you, for your salvation, okay? So, let that be done. Okay. It's us go. Good afternoon, Father. Offer practical advice in dealing with your anger and feelings that people often come from for not who I am, but what I can offer them. Praying for you daily. <laughs> you want me to deal with anger? Really, me? Anger is always... And again, I'm still seeing my shrink for the last almost two years now dealing with my anger. And uh, part of me never likes to get rid of that because I, I just, uh, I think we have to support those who are uh, don, don, downtrodden. We have to support the underdog. And so sometimes that's where my anger gets the best of me. But when anger becomes about self, and usually it's about one of two things. It's just a symptom of either being hurt or being afraid. And if we're hurt or afraid, then we get angry. And so the best thing to do, first of all, is to ask God to heal your hurt and deal with him. What are you hurt about? And then the second thing, if there's, what are you afraid of? And let the Lord heal that. When he says to you and me, do not be afraid. huh? That we don't have to be afraid if the Lord allows that. Now again, when people use us and we get angry, trust me, just be a priest for a day. Every time somebody wants something, oh, Father, oh, Father, oh, Father, every moment of every day, somebody wants something. I get it. And that was the same with Jesus. So you got to make sure that you know that they're hurting too. The reason people come to us is because they're hurting. And I have no problems when people know that they're hurting and they're saying, I need healing. My thing gets crazy is when people don't acknowledge they're hurt and they're not acknowledging that we're all in need of mercy and compassion and all they do is condemn others. And that's a problem. So Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. And so no one can be able to take things from you. You have to give them power if you want. And so before, if someone you know that every time they come to you, they're a black hole, they're always going to take from you, take from you, say, Jesus, often I do this to you. I only come to you when I need something or I come to you in all my prayers and a lot of my prayers are all about me and what you can do for me. And so when I see this other person that comes that way to me, I get angry. But help me to see that that's the way I am and let me have some compassion for them. That which helps the most when it comes to anger is compassion. And that means that we have to get out of our head 
and out of our heart for a moment and think about where the other person is and why they're doing what they're doing. And that can help us tremendously. So hopefully that helps you, Walter. Yeah, I caught a live. Hello, Carrie. He sure did catch a live today. <laughs> okay, here is my question from Richard. I know you're not supposed to pray to Mary, but ask her to pray with you is the same way with the saints and angels. Thank you. Yeah, again, like I talked, I think I talked about a couple of times ago, the word prayer is to mean to talk. You know, it's just our way of saying to talk to God, listen to God, be in relationship with God. So we can be in relationships in that with all the angels and saints, but everything we do is because they're in Jesus. So we can do nothing apart from Jesus. We can't have any relationship with any of the saints except in the body of Christ as a person in Christ. But they can pray with us and for us, but again, we pray together, but it's always the, you know, almost always the way the church prays on Sunday is all our prayer is directed to God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. So it's always a great way. If that's the way the church prays in worship to God the Father. Now, again, the only time we don't, we pray directly to Jesus, like what an opening prayer is on Corpus Christi. I think that's the uh, only time. But normally, 52 weeks a year, every Sunday, every day when you go to a daily Mass, the opening prayer is directed to the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that's a good way for us to pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but we can have, again, the saints. I go to Joseph all the time, just like I go to a lot of my friends on earth, and I ask them to pray for me, or if I'm having a hard time, or if I'm um, doing stuff that I need help. You know, I think God purposely created us for how we need each other, that I can't do it alone. I try, you know, talk about there is no lone rangers in Christianity, and I try to be a lone ranger and I go I shouldn't be a lone ranger and I'm a lone ranger you know <laughs> it's just like uh, but God says we can't do it alone even if you try you still have to go to the uh, store and buy food that someone else cooked for you or made for you you know and even if you sit there and you make all your own uh, you know you're growing I'm growing tomatoes this year it's the first time ever that I've grown anything and it's a great thing but that's I'm only growing my tomatoes everything else I have to get from somewhere else and I don't have any tomatoes yet either so I, I have to wait for them another couple of weeks I'm guessing so we need each other so that's an important reality that uh, <laughs> we keep doing this so again we also need the saints and we can really come to each other and ask for each other's a lot a lot of prayer and uh, support from one another okay hi Kara again I took an online RCIA class during COVID I hope to get uh, to an in-person one soon I'm just so overwhelmed with information what do you recommend is my starting point the starting point of all of us has to be our own prayer I think one of the biggest problems in a church is we have a lot of people who know the teachings of the church but don't know Jesus. I mean, I, I really do believe that. The most important thing I ask when people come to confession to me every time they come is, how's your prayer life? And then I say, are you doing more listening than you are talking? Because if not, then all we do is say, well, I can fight for this and defend this and they're talking about the teaching, and that's important. But to be in relationship with Jesus is the most important thing you can do. And that means you have to have committed daily prayer, and you have to make sure that you're listening in prayer, that you're in relationship with Jesus. That's where it begins. We have, and it's going to be free here soon, uh, when we redo, when we do, most of you, if you've... Uh, if you're on my uh, mailing list for the foundation, you just got a newsletter from me today, and we talked about, like, we have Hope TV coming. And with Hope TV, it's, um, it's going to have all this hope stuff on there, and it's going to have all my talks. Everything's going to be free. You know, that's why you can get like all the CDs and that, because no one's listening to CDs that much anymore. You can get them for a highly discounted price, so at least we can pay for those things that we've already bought. Uh, but then soon, even I have a 25 CD set on the church, and that's for RCIA for people. And it's 45-minute talks, and it's just some basic, basic stuff about, again, 
why and where we believe in God. Why do we believe in God? You know, and the whole thing. How do we know Jesus is God? What about Mary? What about the sacraments? What about all those things? But that's kind of once you fall in love with somebody, you find out more about them. The most important thing, Kara, is just pray, just listen. Jesus Christ is alive, and you can know him. I just talked to him this morning and throughout the day, but this morning I spent that hour talking, listening, being with him. That's what's still got to be the most important. That's where you got to start. And everything else, uh, there's a lot of great books out there. Again, uh, you can go to our website, and there's all kinds of uh, stuff available on there that you would need to. But again, and don't try, if you're coming to the church, don't try to do it by yourself. We are a community. Um, and we got to remember that we are a community. That's why it breaks my heart when we're so separated. And sometimes, like uh, years and years ago, I had people that were fighting on my staff, and I called them all in, and I said, that's enough. You stop it right now, or you got to go somewhere else. And guess what? They stopped it right now. So sometimes you got to be like a father, and you got to be strong to get people's attention and to, you know, say, okay, enough's enough. And so hopefully that's the, the way you'll take what I talked about earlier today. Enough's enough, <laughs> you know, so anyway, but we do, it's enough. We got to sit there and stop, you know, uh, again, I'm not going to go back to it. So, okay, I've said my piece. Okay, so let's go on. Walter, again, in continuation of my question, after much reflection, I realized Jesus did feel the same way as people approached him. I, too, have come to... There you go. Good job. That's the way I answer it, I think, Walter. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Father Larry, please remember the 134 shapemates I lost in the forest 54 years ago today. Absolutely, Dennis. Uh, all the people who give themselves so uh, selflessly in our uh, services, you know, our armed services, we are just so honored. And where anyone, thank you for your service, and we thank everyone who's willing to be other-centered and give away their life instead of just putting their lives first. There's nothing greater, okay? So, love your coffee mug. Is it available to purchase online? They are. You can get these online. Uh, the Reason for Our Hope. Uh, just go to The Reason for Our Hope, and it's on there somewhere. The Reason for Our Hope.org. Uh, yeah, you can get it. Okay. How did someone join a company of prophets in the days of the prophets? What is the vocation? Did they feel the call? True prophecy always came from God calling them. You know, like some of the prophets, there was like prophets and you joined a group of prophets, but there was also like Amos. He said, I was no prophet. I was a sheep herder, a herder of sheep or whatever. And he goes, and God called me. You know, Jeremiah, God called him. Elijah called Elisha, God called him. And so, but one of the biggest things about us is that everyone who's baptized in the faith is a baptized a priest, a prophet, and a king. As a priest, they offer their life to God. As a prophet, they're called to listen to God. That's why I say listen to God and then speak his word to the community. But that means we're listening to God. And if we're listening to him, then we can speak his word to community. Now, sometimes the prophets spoke strongly. Sometimes they spoke gently. And sometimes the prophets did both at the same time, right? You know, you can read Isaiah, Jeremiah, and they're like real gentle and then really harsh, real gentle and then really harsh, real gentle and then really harsh. So it always gives me hope. But anyway, but we're all made prophets, but we got to make sure that we speak true truth and that only comes from listening to God, making sure that we know we're listening to God. And the way you know you're listening to God in his will is our, do you remember? Peace. And his will is our peace. And again, someone a while back says, Father, that shows it's just modernism because you're talking about peace. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. Okay, if I'm a modernist, I'm coming from Jesus himself. Again, people think that I'm stupid, that I don't pray about these things, that I'm just making things off the top of my head and I'm just, you know, a, a blind follower. I hope nobody thinks that. I think everything deeply. I pray about all these things immensely because I know when I'm speaking, I'm speaking to lots of people. And again, I got to make sure I'm speaking truth as best as I can. Again, everything, I'm not infallible. Not everything that comes out of my mouth is truthful. 
not on purpose, but sometimes I might not know something. There's a lot of times I don't know something. So, but again, I'm trying. That's all I can do. Okay. Do you believe Muslims, Jews will be in heaven? Of course, I believe Muslims, Jews will go to heaven. Again, what does Vatican Council say? Vatican Council says an atheist, if an atheist is through, an atheist through no fault of his own has hope of heaven. Why? Now let's, let's walk this through. Again, as I talked about earlier, there is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ, okay? So the way Catholics have always said, how do you uh, receive salvation? By faith and works. You believe that Jesus died for you and he paid the penalty and you believe in what Jesus Christ did and you take care of the poor. You work out your salvation because of what you believe. Protestants believe it's by faith alone. Uh, but and we always say you need to be baptized. Well, even baptism, there's three types of baptism, correct? There's a baptism of uh, water, traditional, blood, martyrdom, desire, if they would know the true faith and they would desire to be baptized and desire to be one. So again, let's say you're a Buddhist and you've never heard of Jesus Christ, which is very possible. We don't see that in America, but, or you've never heard the gospel presented to you in a way that you can accept it. Like even... Uh, what was the big Buddhist uh, or Hindu, whatever, is uh, uh, Gandhi. He said, I love the teaching of Christianity, but I never met a Christian. You get that? And he might have been a Christian if he'd have met one. That often we don't live like Jesus. We talk a good thing about Jesus, but we're not living it. So let's say people, their whole view of Christianity is the, the preachers that sell stuff on TV and always ask for money, or priests who have been pedophiles and have abused children, or uh, bishops who have used the money for their own gain, and all these things, and that's all they see. So they, they, all that blinds them so they cannot accept Jesus because they think they look at the fruit and they don't see kindness, they don't see gentleness, they don't see taking care of the poor. They only see uh, arrogance and judgment and hatred in God's name, and they don't become Christians. Well, the church is always taught, again, at Vatican II, they'll be judged by their conscience, you know? So, can Muslims be in heaven? Of course. Can Buddhists be in heaven? Of course. Can atheists be in heaven? Of course. But none of them can get to heaven except for what Jesus Christ did for them. You understand that? That there is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. And so, he, again... Remember at the very beginning how Paul talks about this. When Adam and Eve sinned, all sinned, correct? When Adam and Eve sinned, all sinned. When Jesus died on the cross, he says, all have been justified. Just like Adam and, sin, Adam and Eve put us all under judgment and sin and damnation and uh, uh, death. So what Jesus did is set the whole world, everyone who ever has been created free. Now, that gift that Jesus did for everybody, we have to accept it. Why? Because God is love and he doesn't force anything on anybody. So I accept that through baptism and then, you know, just being baptized as a child isn't enough, right? As you grow, you have to accept what your parents did for you in faith, but your own faith has to accept that gift of baptism. There is no magic here. It isn't superstition. You just don't go to the motions. That's the point. You accept that in faith and you believe that, that Jesus Christ died for me. And so, but if I'm a Muslim and I'm doing everything every day and I'm praying every day and I'm seeking God's will and I'm taking care of the poor and everything else, but I don't know about Jesus, I will still be saved only by what Jesus did for me. There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. That's why when we talk about like the question earlier, you know, can Muslims go to heaven? Can Muslims, do they pray to the same God? Yes, but they won't be saved the way they think they'll be saved. They'll only be saved by what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross, just like you, just like me. Now, we're uh, given salvation when we accept it. There is hope of salvation for them. So we don't know that they're in heaven, that, they can, uh, that they're there, but we know like uh, John Paul II in one of his first books, it was his first book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, uh, he said, we know that there's a hell, 
but we don't know if anybody's in there. And then he says, we can't even say that Judas is in hell from the scriptures. Now, that always drove me crazy because John Paul said that, but, you know, I've read everything about Fatima and Our Lady says to uh, uh, Lucia that people go to hell like snowflakes in a snowstorm. You know, and, so, and he had great devotion to Our Lady at Fatima. So how do you take these two realities? You know, or again, someone said, I was reading the other day that can God forgive somebody after judgment? And of course, someone says, of course he can't. Well, God can do anything he wants. Don't tell God what he can and cannot do. When God looked at Adam and Eve and said, if you sin, you will die. Yep. But then he fixed it. He became one of them, one of us, and he paid the penalty so that they could be set free. Can God fix things? Yes, he can. I'm never going to tell God what he cannot do. And I encourage you, you shouldn't tell God what he cannot do too. God is bigger than all of us. And you know what? There isn't one person who God created who he does not love infinitely. He loved them so much that he sent Jesus to die for them. So somehow this God of love has got to be nicer than Father Larry Richards, don't you think? (laughs) Then if I would sit there and do everything in my power to save somebody, how much more God? Oh my. How much more God? So we got to have this trust that God is bigger and we got to do everything in our power to bring everybody into this relationship with Jesus Christ. But then once you know, and I think the reason most people are so angry and hurtful is because they have hurting hearts and they have so much pain in their heart. And you know healing starts coming when they start being kind. That's how you know a person's heart is being healed because they're starting to be kind. When a person isn't kind, it's because they have a heart that's so much pain that the only thing they can do is focus on themselves and be judgmental of everybody else because they think that's the way God is to them. But honest to goodness, in all my 61 years of praying, every time I've come before God, he has always been so loving and gentle with me. Even when I don't deserve it, which is all the time. But God has always revealed himself in, as he is in Scripture as he is at Jesus. You know, again, a lot of people always talk about the Old Testament, the Old Testament God. That was before Jesus became man and died for sin and fulfilled the justice of God. Old Testament is before justice being filled. New Testament, the new covenant, is Jesus fulfilling the justice of God by dying on the cross. So we got to watch. Again, how does God deal with our sin? He destroys us as he should. He destroys us and kills us. The way God deals with our sin is by dying himself, destroys himself on the cross to pay for our sin. That's the truth. That's what God does. And that got to be the way we live. So, okay, let's go on here. Father Larry, while attending Mass this week, this the, the priest spoke of fasting prayer. I felt such emotion. I felt the Lord speaking to me. Can you share your experience of uh, fasting and prayer? Again, I fast almost every day. There's one or two days a week I don't, uh, but I don't eat carbs now in those days. And I offer it up for someone different every day. And it's just, again, you don't have to do a full physical fast. Like some days I'll do 18 hours. Some days I'll do 23 hours. Some days I'll do 22 hours, doesn't matter. But I'll just do this, and I offer up the inconvenience, the, the pain, the hunger for the good of other people. Again, it's how we unite ourselves with Christ and the cross. Don't do it just for yourself, but do it for the good of others. So when you empty yourself, like when you empty yourself in fasting, then God can fill you up with himself. But why does he fill you up? So you can empty yourself into others. That's, the, that's how God is. That's the way he works, and that's the way we need to work too. So never waste a fast in yourself. Like, so I can be holy. Do a fast so that others, pain can be alleviated. Pray, you know, especially one of the biggest things I fasted through out the years is people would hate my guts, you know. 
people that do say hateful things, people that uh, are online that say that I'm a miserable and angry human being, which is true. But those are the ones I'll fast for. And a lot of them, a lot of healing has happened between me and people that don't agree with me or I don't agree with them. And again, because even after every, I yell and scream and carry on, I always feel bad about it afterwards. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm always like, Lord, why can't I just be gentle? And it's just not my uh, thing in the body, I guess, but I keep getting better. And I am better than I used to be. But anyway, okay. Father Larry, how do you get yourself out of a rut? <clears throat> you can't. I can't anyway. A lot of times my ruts, when I get into a rut, is I have to say, Jesus, you got to get me out of this. But I can tell you that what you think is what you feel. So my degrees in counseling, and I always loved rational emotive therapy. Why? Because the whole thing of it is, and the guy was a pagan, I'm just saying, but the way his uh, philosophy was or psychology was, is if the way you look at things is the way you think about things is the way then you feel about things. So if a lot of times, like if I'm in a rut, I'll go online and I'll put like inspirational videos on uh, YouTube and I'll find one and it'll just, you know, grab me and take me out of that. And so, or I go in my scripture, like every time if I go to the Lord and I just say, Lord, I'm a mess inside. I'll never forget the one that always comes back to again and again. As I was a young priest and I was at uh, my old parish at St. Luke's, I couldn't sleep. It was about one o'clock in the morning. I just felt a mess. And I went down to the church and I laid in front of the Blessed Sacrament with my Bible. And I just said, Lord, I'm a mess. I'm just a mess. And I opened it up the Bible, and it says, let not your heart be troubled. Have faith in God and have faith in me. Instantly, I had peace because the word of God is Jesus Christ reaching out his hand and in power changing our heart because it's an encounter with the living God. So go to scriptures, ask Jesus for help, go to inspirational videos or uh, inspirational quotes, and it'll help you. It, it helps me anyway, okay? Okay, adoration of this is from um, Robert. Adoration of the Holy Sacrament in my area is limited to an hour once a month. How do you think of perpetual adoration live on YouTube? Is there any spiritual uh, gain? Well, of course, just being with the Lord and, you know, Christ is inside of you, not in the same way. Well, he is in the same way, but in a different mode, I'll put it that way. But of course, anytime you spend time sitting and being with Jesus, it can be the greatest thing ever never is time wasted before the blessed sacrament and never is time wasted in prayer so if you're watching on uh, online for places that have perpetual adoration uh good just make sure you're praying there while you're doing that okay very good here you go Thank you, Father. Pope Francis, I, Elizabeth Good, is a beautiful gift to us all. There's a good document, uh, documentary on Pope Francis in his own words on PBS. I don't know if that's what I watched, but I just watched uh, one on Pope Francis this weekend, and I just thought, absolutely. And, the, oh, and again, he knows his own weakness, and I think that's so important to show whether someone's of God or not, that they truly know their own weaknesses. And are they always trying? You know, remember the very first thing Pope Francis did before he gave us a blessing when he was made Pope. Do you remember? He stopped and asked us to bless him. That's an act of great humility. And God can use people who are humble. God cannot use people who are filled with themselves and their opinions. He just can't. Because there's no room for him. So, so I always go back to the fruit has been very, 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 very good. Okay. Thank you, Father. Okay, uh, Donna, are you earth? <laughs> I'm not going to say someone asked about a particular person online, and uh, I don't call people out online. I don't, because again, I think people, honest to goodness, these people who are so nuts against the Pope, I really think in their hearts, they're doing what they're, they're completely 100% feeling that they're right. Like I completely 100% feel, I know that I'm right, of course. And so do these people. Uh, but hopefully that I'm doing, I'm speaking the truth in love, hopefully. You know, someone, I read something, I can't even get into the things because it just breaks my heart. 
But yeah, people online that are going against, and you can name them yourselves. I'm not going to name them. Uh, you know, I know these people, and I just, uh, my heart is broken. Some of them won't even uh, talk to me because they think I've gone off the deep end. What are you going to do? We're going to keep praying and keep staying faithful no matter what. Okay? So, do, 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 do. We live in a fallen world. It's easy to experience temptation and sin. Do you have any advice on how to deal with being overwhelmed and sadness? The sacraments give us grace, but the anxiety is real. Absolutely. This is what I tell to help people to help deal with their sin and how to deal with anything going on in their lives. Go and do what Jesus did. Because it's, we live in Jesus, right? And Jesus lives inside of us. So the way Jesus dealt with temptation, before he dealt with it, it goes, starts at Mark chapter 1, verse 11. When Jesus was baptized and God the Father looked at him and said, you are my beloved son with whom I am pleased. If you're tempted or if you're discouraged or if you're depressed, go back to that verse and let God speak that to you. You are my beloved daughter in Jesus, with whom I am pleased. You are my beloved son in Jesus, with whom I am pleased. And then after he hears that, he finds out who he is. You've got to remember who you are. Again, some of you just say, I'm no good. I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner. That's a lie. If you're baptized, God adopted you. You are a beloved son or daughter of the Father. Sinful, yes but you're not just a dirty, rotten sinner. You are a beloved son or daughter of the Father who sins. Again, as I've told you before, old adage, the devil knows our name but calls us by our sin. God knows our sin but calls us by our name. Who do you call yourself by? Your sin, your depression, or who you are? beloved to God. And then Jesus was given the Holy Spirit. That same spirit that Jesus had in him is the same spirit he gave to us. So you are the place where God dwells by the power of the Holy Spirit. The spirit is 100% God, just as the Father, just as Jesus. And God, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. You have God within you. So you don't have to say, I'm just a weak sinner. You are the power of God inside of you. Are you kidding me? You can deal with anything with God. Just don't focus on you and your sinfulness. Focus on him and his power. And then he goes and it says, the spirit led him into the desert to be tempted. Huh? The spirit of the living God led Jesus into the desert to be tempted in his humanity. Why? For us to show us how to deal with temptation and uh, depression. Because when the devil comes and he tempts him, what does Jesus do to win? He takes the word of God. And he shoves it down the devil's throat, and the devil runs. Whatever you're depressed about, whatever your uh, sins are, put into you, uh, uh, Google scripture to scriptures that deal with uh, overcoming lust, or scriptures that deal with greed, or scriptures that go with self-pity, whatever it is, and then memorize uh, one or two verses. And every time you get there, remember who you are, and call yourself a beloved son or daughter of God. Remember you have the power of the living God inside of you. And then take the word of God and shove it down the devil's throat. And he will run. You're not just a stinking sinner. You are a beloved child of God. Period. That's who you are. And that's how God sees you. That's why Jesus paid for your sins. And when you focus on being grateful that Jesus Christ would go to the cross to die for your sins, and not that you all have to die for my sins, I'm no good, I'm no good, and keep yourself focused on yourself. It's not of God, it's always from the devil. God said, I paid the penalty for you. I paid the penalty. I died to fulfill the justice that cries out to heaven for your sin. I paid the penalty, not you. And if you start focusing on God and not yourself, great things can happen, okay? So, <laughs> thank you for your rant. Huh? I'm sure what that's going to happen is people are going to take that and put it all over the internet, and I'm going to get all kinds of hate mail again. <laughs> but 
I'm okay with that. I've dealt with it for years, but it still hurts my heart, but still, I get it. I have quite a list of people I know who have died. What is the best way to pray for them to be released from purgatory? The best way is to have a mass said for them because then it's not your prayer, it's what Jesus Christ did for them, period. So that's the biggest thing. You know, and the, the one mass, one drop of the precious blood of Jesus, one of the priests used to live with me, looked at me once and he said, I was going off to, to uh, Rome and he says, uh, and I had to do my will and he says, so how many masses you haven't said for you after you die? And I go, one. What? You think one mass is enough for your sorry soul to get out of purgatory? And I said, one drop of the precious blood of Jesus is enough to get my soul out of purgatory. One drop. So when you have a mass said for people, that's why when people die, you should always have a mass said for them. Always. One drop of the precious blood of Jesus Christ is enough to die for all of our sins and to set us from all purgatory. Period. Jesus is enough. What he did is enough. It just is. Okay? So, good evening, Father. This is from Gina. What does one do if their husband dislikes the Catholic Church and puts his wife down constantly in front of my kids? Well, I can see sometimes why I don't like the Catholic Church. I mean, we all do that. We, I Sometimes, I, you know, again, I just go, oh, is this what we're about? But uh, he shouldn't put you down, and you should talk to him and say, listen, I'm your wife. You should never put me down in front of anybody. And if you do, I'm walking out this door and I'm not coming back. I didn't say to divorce them, but I'm not coming back to you treat me with some kind of dignity. Because any husband, even if he's an atheist, should treat his wife with dignity. And if he doesn't, that says a heck of a lot about him, about you. Okay, and as long as you... Uh, allow that to happen he's going to keep doing it because he's a bully but as soon as you stick up for yourself I mean again don't do this but my mother because my father was an alcoholic and he could get violent but he never touched her because my mother who was a cop says if you ever touch me I will kill you while you sleep (laughs) now again (laughs) that never happened but my mother meant it and my father knew that he meant she meant it. So he never touched her. But anyway, that's all beside the point. Don't ever do that. But the point of that is, is and it's a true story. It's what my mother said, true story. But as long as you let someone abuse you physically, psychologically, uh, mentally, they're going to keep doing it. As soon as you stand up for yourself in Christ, you are a beloved son or a beloved daughter of the father, and you don't let people do that to you, and they know that you know, you're going to do something about it, they're going to stop, usually. And if they don't stop, well, then don't put up with it unless you choose to put up with it, and then do it as a martyr for Jesus. Okay? Okay, we got one more question here, and then we got to go. Father Larry, what do you tell our Episcopal friends who say they are Catholic without the guilt? I call them, I call them Catholic light is what I call them, you know? And some of them actually might have the, can uh, convey the sacrament because some of the traditional ones have the, uh, and they do have the guilt. Everyone who's Christian has the guilt, you know? But again, sometimes it's just wanting to do things their own way is what I say. I mean, because like Episcopalians, I love them. I have great friends who are Episcopalians, but you can do anything you want over there, correct? You can be a bishop. You can be a homosexual. You can leave your wife and kids and get up with your partner and be a bishop in the Episcopal church, right? Now, again, I'm not making a judgment about that. I'm just saying that you can do all kinds of things that you want to do there. We put ourselves under a pope. And that's why the magisterium, again, the magisterium of the church is the the bishops and the pope together in their teaching. And that's why you can never just look at one bishop or you can never just look at a little group of bishops. It's all the bishops. That's why, again, when people wanting to do things, Vatican Council happened for a reason, to lead to God, to lead the church. And he took all the bishops throughout the world and he brought us to where we are today. And so the teaching of that is of God. There's still to this day people don't buy Vatican II. And again, if God wasn't in Vatican II, then we're not the church of Christ. You're in the wrong church. So again, we got to sit there and always know that uh, if we are a Catholic, we have to be under the magisterium, which is the Pope and the bishops when they unite in their teaching. And there's ordinary magisterium. You know, people say, well, not everything the Pope says is uh, 
is uh, uh, infallible. Of course not. But there is ordinary magisterium, which does not have to be infallibly proclaimed, which is infallible, right? So, again, we can talk more about that later. But, again, just love these people. They're Episcopalian. Or my, and again, Billy Graham, who's a Baptist, brought me to Jesus Christ. He just did. And people don't buy it, and they say, oh, now I get it, Father. See, you're a Protestant. I am a Catholic, 100%, period. So, please pray for me. No, I'm praying for you and I'm fasting for you and that I love you and I'm sorry when I do my rants, okay? So the Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you back here, God willing, next Thursday.